I want to open the Word of God. We are talking about Pharaoh and his heart being hardened. This is an issue that has caused a lot of confusion, some anger, and distrust among people. And so we're going to do our best to seek to understand what it meant. The very first text we're going to look at is found in Exodus chapter 4. Please turn there. Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. We read this verse, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in your hand, but I will harden his heart so that he will not let people go. The idea is that God would do something to Pharaoh's heart so Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go free. The result would be plagues that would devastate the country of Egypt. Did God override Pharaoh's free will and force Pharaoh to resist the demand of Moses? If so, would that not demonstrate that God is an unjust and cruel being? If this is understood as it appears, God would have put Pharaoh in a position where it would be impossible for Pharaoh, excuse me, impossible for any of the plagues to have any beneficial effect. Pharaoh would never have changed his mind even if he wanted to. He couldn't have repented. He just had to take it. What if Pharaoh was ready and willing to let Moses and his people go and God wouldn't allow him to express it? Then God went on and punished Pharaoh by sending plagues and killing children throughout all of Egypt for something God himself had done. This makes God out to be unjust and cruel. For hundreds of years, the response, a response that has been given in the Christian community is this, that God can do what he chooses to do and humans have no right to question God. This concept comes to us from the Calvinist perspective of predestination. And yet, many have subscribed to it. The net result is that people have turned away from God or they're serving Him with a skewed understanding that is distorted and unhealthy. Historically, the reasons most people have rejected God is due to stubborn pride, selfishness, and a desire to gratify fleshly lusts. Today, those things still are there, but we have skeptics and atheists who are rejecting the arbitrary view of God as presented in the argument, God can do whatever He wants. A perfect God simply cannot be just while unjustly treating people. God cannot be God and conduct himself in an ungodly manner. So today, we will attempt to understand what the Bible means when it talks about Pharaoh's heart being hardened. 
I want you to know we will not complete the study today. It will require several times of looking at it. We're going to look at three verses real quickly. Look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. Exodus chapter 7, verse 3 is a quote, God is speaking. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and multiply my signs and my wonders in the land of Egypt. God said he would harden Pharaoh's heart. Exodus chapter 8, verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. That verse says that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Then we come to Exodus 7, verses 13 and 14. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hard. He refuses to let the people go. Go to verse 22. Then the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart grew hard, and he did not heed them as the Lord had said. This is in this passive form that indicates Pharaoh's heart was hardened does not indicate or give any source for the hardening. So you have three clearly, or three things stated clearly in the Bible. One, God hardened his heart. Two, Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Three, his heart was hardened and it doesn't give credit for either one. So what's the right position? What's the right answer? How do we balance all these? We will, and I trust you will be satisfied with our conclusions. But today we have to work with a question, a question that we must answer. If we don't answer this question, who cares whether God or Pharaoh or some other source hardened Pharaoh's heart? Here's the question. What does it mean to have a hard heart? What does it mean to have your heart hardened? If we can understand an answer to that, then it will help us as we go back and study about Pharaoh. Now, most of us, I believe, are assuming that a hardened heart is talking about stubbornness, obstinance, resistance, and all of those elements are true. And most of us are probably thinking in, in the context that a hardened heart would be somebody like Pharaoh who thinks he's God, and when he's confronted by God, doesn't want anything to do with God, and his heart becomes steeled or hard. And we think about that. But I want to show you today that in the New Testament, the examples given of a hard heart come to us from people who are serving God, people who are seeking to walk with God, claiming to walk with God. So with that in mind, this becomes a very important issue to us because everyone here has some interest in walking with God or you would not be here. Everyone here has some interest in serving God or you would not be here. And so we're going to begin looking at the hardening of the hearts we're going to look at 12 men. These 12 men were the apostles of Jesus. They walked with Jesus everywhere he went. They slept 
where he slept. They ate when he ate. They listened to his preaching. They were close to Jesus. They were closer physically to Christ than any of us have ever, ever been. And they spent months and years walking with him. And yet, the Bible says they had a problem with a hardening heart. Let's turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 6. Mark is the second book of the New Testament, one of the Gospels named after Mark who authored the Gospel. We pick up the story, Mark 6, verse 34. It says, And Jesus, when he came out, saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion for them because they were like sheep not having a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. What a powerful day it must have been in the lives of these people. Jesus saw them. There's a large crowd. They look like they're sheep without a shepherd. So he is going to shepherd them. And he does it by teaching them the ways of God and his kingdom. Verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, his disciples came to him and said, this is a deserted place and already the hour is late. Now, how many of you think Jesus didn't know that? You know, if we learn one thing from the disciples, his followers, we learn this. They thought Jesus could be corrected. They thought Jesus could be instructed. They thought Jesus could be approached rather nonchalantly. And there's a lesson for us in that, a powerful lesson, and that is that even though God rules all that there is, he's quite approachable. We can go to him with our pains. We can go to him with our sorrows. We can go to him with our anger, even if we're angry at him. Recently, I was talking with a, a fellow who was angry at God. And he told God off, and he told him off in no uncertain terms, and used some words that he regretted and repented of later. And we talked about it, and I said, you know, God wasn't offended by that. He still loves you. He understands what you're going through. And then this person looked at me and they said, you know, the odd thing about it, the harsher I got towards God, I had this sense of him loving me while I was being angry at him. God is approachable, friends, and it's important that we understand that. So these guys come to Jesus and they're, telling him it's late, they're in a deserted place. Now they're going to tell him what to do. Verse 36, send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. But Jesus answered and said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give, to, and give them something to eat? But Jesus said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they found out, they said, five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in ranks in hundreds and in fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, 
blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fish. They ended up with more than they started. And that's after they had fed thousands of people. Verse 44 says, Now those who had eaten the loaves were about 5,000 men. Women and children weren't even counted. Now, look at verse 45. Immediately, whoa, that word just, wow. Immediately, he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side of Bethsaida while he sent the multitude away. Something happened. Something happened when they got all the stuff gathered together and everybody had eaten to the full. Something happened. And it says immediately Jesus made his disciples. He told them, get in the boat, cross over. And then he dispersed the crowd. Well, what happened? Hold your hands here and go to the same story as recorded by John in the Gospel of John. John chapter 6. Keep your hand here in Mark because we're coming back. John 6, verse 12. Same story. So when they were filled, Jesus said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. Hey, who else could do these miracles? Who else could teach like this? This must be the Messiah. This must be him. Watch what happens, verse 15. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to a mountain by himself alone. Is Jesus a king? Absolutely. Bible says he is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He's a king. He's almighty king. However, when he was at this time in his life on the earth, he came to die for us so we could enter into his kingdom. And for the crowd to make him a king at that point would have thwarted the whole process. And so Jesus, with a degree of force, said to the crowd, Leave, go now. How do you tell thousands of people to leave? He knew how. But then he said to the 12, get in that boat and cross over. If you add what Matthew says, you discover they lingered. They didn't go. They didn't obey him. Why not? Because they had the same mindset as the crowd. Yay! Here we go. Let's make Jesus king. We'll be part of the inner circle. We'll have big names, big places, all kinds of power. And they were into it. They were part of the problem. And Jesus said to them, get in that boat. Get out there. I'll, I'll get up with you later. They didn't, they didn't obey him. Why didn't they obey him? They thought Jesus was wrong again. You know, Jesus needed some public relations. 
From time to time, he would say things that were totally politically incorrect. And these guys thought if they could just manage him a little bit, I mean, he works miracles, he's got powerful teachings and stuff, but he lacks some, I don't know, marketing skills. And they're upset. They want him to become king. They don't understand him. And they begin to sulk. They begin to pout. They begin to call all kinds of darkness upon themselves. How many of you have ever been pouting? Maybe you're a child. Let's go back when you were a child and you're pouting. Did you ever have a parent who said, keep that up and I'll give you something to pout about? I think that's what's going to happen in this story. These guys are drawing all kinds of dark thoughts upon themselves. They're angry at Jesus. They're angry at God. They're angry at this whole process. And they're in the boat. Watch what happens. Verse 46. And when he had sent them away, he departed to the mountain to pray. This kingdom thing had reached a crisis and Jesus needed to be alone praying. Now when evening came, the boat was in the middle of the sea. and He was alone on the land. Then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. That's exactly what is true. The wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea and would have passed them by. God never forces himself into our boat. He walked by, let him know he was there. He knew how they were feeling. He knew the darkness that was rumbling inside of them. He came close and they'll invite him in. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them and said to them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Then he went up into the boat to them, and the wind ceased. And they were greatly amazed in themselves beyond measure and marveled. Now watch this verse. For they had not understood about the loaves because their heart was hardened. What? Their heart was hardened. <clears throat> the Amplified Version of the Bible says, quote, for they failed to consider or understand the teaching and meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous, had become dull, and had lost the power of understanding, end quote. They didn't understand, and instead of trying to look at it from Jesus' perspective or even to ask him questions, they got upset because it wasn't what they wanted. They began to nurture a grudge against God, Jesus, and the whole thing they were involved in, and that began a process of hardening their hearts. Well, let's go on. Verse, uh, or chapter 8. Chapter 8. We look at verse 14. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, and they did not have more than one loaf with them in the boat. Then he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have no bread. Mind that text. Think about it. Verse 16. We're coming back to it. And Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, 
Why do you reason because you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive nor understand? Is your heart still hardened? Having no eyes do you not see, and having ears do not hear, and you do not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said 12. And when I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of fragments did you take up? They said seven. And he said to them, How is it you do not understand? Verse 16 is the answer. It said, So they reasoned among themselves. They did not ask Jesus any questions. They reasoned among themselves. Why would they do that? Because they felt they knew the answer and he needed to be corrected on some level. Why else would you not ask unless you thought you knew? And the Bible says their heart is dull and that they become arrogant because they think they know. Now I want you to know that there are denominations that are famous for righteousness by being right or righteousness by having right answers. Ask the question, they have the answer. They know why everybody else is wrong and they know why they are right. And everything about them is having the right answer, having the right answer, having the right answer. They neglect having a right heart. It is very possible to have every right answer and still have a heart. It is very possible to have a religion that is based on being right, that is really arrogant, hard-hearted, and lost. A person spoke to me this week, and they said, Pastor, when I was a young person, young adult, all my emphasis, religion-wise, was to be right. I had the right answer. Sabbath school class, I had the right answer. Church, discussions after church, wherever, I had the right answer. Prided myself on having the right answer. Did not have the right heart. Did not have the right heart. Let's go to another group of people. We find them in Acts chapter 19. The Apostle Paul is preaching to a group of Jews, people who for thousands of years had had the Scriptures, people who had the teachings of God taught to them from generation to generation. And we come to verses 8 and 9 in Acts chapter 19. And it says, And he went, Paul, went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them and withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. Paul is teaching. 
And they're under conviction. Paul's filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And people under, are under conviction. And the Bible says, or the New International Version says, the people became obstinate and refused to believe. Amplified Version says, became more and more stubborn. They were hardened and unbelieving. Why? Because of the tyranny of orthodoxy. They had been taught what to believe. They were preserving what they had been taught. This is something new. Regardless of the convictions they were under that it was from God, they had to hold on to the orthodoxy, and it said their hearts hardened. Could it be possible that someone could belong to a group that is so convinced they're right, so convinced they have the answers to everything, so convinced that they can tell people what they should believe in order to be part of a special group of people that God could send a message to them that they would reject because it's not what they've heard before. Hardened heart because of orthodoxy. I'd like to challenge you to read Hebrews chapter 3, 7 through 14 this afternoon after you've enjoyed your uh, chocolates. And we started out this morning with a question regarding Pharaoh's heart being hardened. And we'll continue the study next week. The most important question for us is regarding our own hearts. Arrogance, I know the answers. I pride myself in all the answers, yet do not have a loving heart. Questions, I do not go to God for answers. I go to friends. I look at trends or I look at other sources to determine what my norm will be. That's a hardened heart. Unbelief, when things aren't going the way I think they should, I get angry with God and use it as an excuse to live the way I want to live. It's a hardened heart. Rebellious. I know what is right, but I don't care. That's a hardened heart. What do we need? I know what I want. I want a soft, teachable heart that is humble, believing, and faithful. And I'm wondering if there's anyone here who wants that heart as well. Is there anyone here who would like to say to God, that you want a soft heart that is humble and teachable and loving. Just please stand. Father in heaven, we pray that a walk with you, a miracle of conversion, would take place in our hearts. And that orthodoxy and rightness would no longer harden us. That unbelief or rebellion would no longer harden us. But that we would be soft and teachable. We ask this in Jesus' name.